What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for are the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Is James Conner the guy in Arizona? How much value do Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins have? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We have a great show lined up for you today. A couple of great shows this week. I've ingested the Coca Cola coffee and milk concoction here forward, known as the Triflex. So I'm ready to rock. What's going on with you, Curtis? Man, I'm glad to hear it, man. One thing I respect about you, Dave, is you just you don't abandon your takes, man. Your take. Is it this horrific concoction is what you need? It's your it's your lifeblood uh, of energy and focus and just general kickassery. And you're sticking to it, man. So uh, good for you. Um, not all takes are good, but uh, conviction is a good thing. And I love the Triflex name, of course. You know, showing a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, shining a light on those Triflex Dynasty Leagues over at FFPC. You and I are going head to head, and it's just a nice little nod to that, uh, given the drink, the name too. So, I myself am partaking in a zero sugar vitamin water, uh, <laughs> going the total opposite direction tonight, Dave. All right. So, I think on that note, everybody knows that we're ready to go. Let's get into a fantasy headline. And that, of course, is going to be the fact that James Conner is now inserted into that backfield in the high-flying Arizona Cardinals offense. Will they be high-flying? Uh, really, not sure how that backfield is going to break down. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a, a situation that confuses a lot of people, Curtis. You're probably going to hear that adage of whichever player has the lower ADP is the one to go with. But I want to get some of your thoughts on how you think that it's going to break down uh, between Connor and Chase Edmonds. Yeah, this is this is an important one. Um, I've kind of always been a James Connor fan, but I just don't really, I don't know what to think about him uh, for 2021. I mean, last year was just so confusing. He came out, um, we know he was a little bit ouchy, you know, throughout the year. At one point, Benny Snell looked like he might just be better. That eventually proved not to be the case. As the season wore on, it became apparent that the Pittsburgh line had some real problems uh, creating any room for the backs. All of them actually re- really struggling to get anything going before contact. Um, you know, but then also we see James Conner, who had been historically efficient, you know, in 2019, 2020, um, one of the more efficient running backs uh, in the NFL from a fantasy points uh, over expectation perspective then he leans back to the negative 
last year. And, you know, just from uh, my understanding of Blair's work around fantasy efficiency and running backs, um, you know, usually that, that first tilt uh, to the negative after those early seasons is, is a time to bail. Um, I'm willing to excuse a little bit of it for Connor because he was just barely negative. And, and, and I just shared the Pittsburgh context. But on the other hand, you know, Chase Edmonds, when he had the chance last year, seven top 12 weeks last season, uh, he's a top 19 fantasy efficiency running back in 2019 and 2020. Kenyon Drake and his 10 rushing touchdowns leave uh, leave the situation. And I mean, Edmonds should have the leg up here. He's younger. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's quicker, more athletic uh, overall. And I mean, he knows the system. So um, I, I lean to I lean to Edmonds. Connor does kind of complicate things because he def- definitely does have that receiving ability and the history of success. So if Edmonds were to show that he couldn't shoulder the whole load, you know, maybe that thing would flip the other way. I think Connor probably a smart signing is a little bit more different from Edmonds, whereas Ed- Edmonds and Drake had some of that, you know, similarity in terms of their style uh, last season. So confounding situation in Arizona, I lean towards liking Edmonds. I've moved him up my dynasty rankings. I've uh, targeted him in a, a few of our startups uh, that I participated in this year. Um, how do you see this one, Dave? Yeah, you know, this was one I kind of went back and forth on for a little while, but I think I ended up in a similar place to you in that at this point in James Conner's career, it's just easier for me to assume that Edmonds, who has already been there, is going to be the guy that should get the first shot, the first crack, figures to be a little bit more explosive. Uh, And the other thing that I'll point out is there's actually some potential for one of them here if they can take away with it, which is maybe a reason that you should be more interested in going after one of these guys if you have conviction about them than just sitting there and saying, I'm going to take one if they fall. Because Kenyon Drake did have 10 touchdowns last year, 955 rushing yards on 239 attempts, which was only 54% of the rushing attempts. So you could string together a decent season in this offense without entirely controlling all of the backfield work. That said, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Edmonds uh, is the one that comes away with it. But if you're f- telling me I have to choose, I think it makes more ev- it makes more sense, and there's more evidence supporting it being Edmonds, who I'll also add in last year was sixth among running backs in targets, which I think again just speaks to the idea that it's not like he needs to run away and completely control everything for him to be useful for your team. I see you nodding your head. It seems like you might have a, uh, a something to add on there. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up uh, the point about targets. Uh, sixth in targets among running backs, sixth in receiving yards among running backs with 402, caught 53 balls. He had four receiving touchdowns, which, you know, I think on that workload, um, you know, that's pretty Im- impressive. He only had one rushing touchdown. And we know that this Arizona team, uh, they're going to have a lot of possessions, Dave. They can move the ball up and down the field uh, quite a bit. And, you know, if even if Drake... Uh, excuse me, even if Edmonds and Connor were to split those 10 rushing touchdowns that Drake had, let's say, you know, when they get in real close, maybe the team leans towards Connor as the bigger body uh, and Edmonds gets maybe a couple of those breakaways, a couple of those scores from maybe out around the 10 yard line instead of the two or the three. Um, There's a lot of opportunity here. Only one rushing touchdown on 97 attempts. You would have to think that that would regress uh, to the positive uh, here in 2021, even if he doesn't shoulder you know, the lion's share of the rushing attempts and is more of an even split. So um, I, I really like, as, as long as he doesn't get so trendy that he becomes like a third round, you know, best ball pick or something like that. Uh, I think Chase Edmonds is a, a savvy bet here. 
Yeah, so we've actually, as we've been talking about this, made me even feel more confident in taking the stance on Edmonds. Um, you know, in, in my best ball leagues, maybe I'll grab a little bit of James Conner here and there. Um, but I, I do feel decent about Edmonds, and I feel like a lot of people are going to be scared off because of that. Um, so I will, uh, you know, go forward with a little bit more confidence there for him. Let's move along, though, um, as I do want to talk to you quickly about a player being Tutu Atwell, who I'm a little bit uh, actually substantially lower on than pretty much everybody else in the guide. I have been looking at some of his numbers, Curtis, and I feel like I might be docking him a little bit too much uh, for the size, right, at just 155 pounds. And though he was fast, at I think it was around a 4.42 for the size, that isn't like transcendent speed. So can you break down what I'm missing uh, on Tutu at, well, why people should fade what I'm saying and go with what the rest of the gang uh, seems to think. I also say the draft position, projected draft position, not that great if you check out grinding the mocks or sites like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to add some context here. I mean, I'm definitely not high on him either. I think I've got him as like a rookie third rounder. Yep. Um, so, uh, if you just follow the analytics and, and you throw out just the production analytics, I should say, um, that is really the case to be made for for Tutu Atwell. Uh, in version one of our rookie guide, Sean's great piece, Breakout Age, Creating the Permanent Championship Window, uh, he outlines that uh, Tutu Atwell is one of just eight players in the class to break out before the age of 20 and a half. Uh, we know that that um, has uh, resulted in, in quite an impressive hit rate over the years. And then in Travis May's piece, the adjusted uh, production index piece uh, in that guide, well, actually, has the third highest uh, API percentile, 91st percentile adjusted production index, you know, which, of course, uh, takes into account peak adjusted dominator, yards per team pass attempt, and touchdowns per team pass attempt. So if you just look at the production profile, very, uh, very interesting. And if he weighed like 30 more pounds, he'd probably be a consensus first rounder uh, in our rookie drafts just based off of the production. I mean, this is coming in a Power 5 conference from a school that's put some you know, talented players uh, into the NFL uh, player pool over the last couple of years. But I think, I mean, he he's definitely like an NFL history level outlier on the weight. And even though, you know, he's quick objectively, uh, like the speed score is just horrible. Uh, his weight, to, you know, he needs to run like a 4.09 or something yeah. <laughs> uh, to have the speed that we would want out of a player this light. Um, and I think, I think the reason to still place some cheap bets on Atwell. So, I, I mean, just to be very clear, personally, I would not take him in the top two rounds of a rookie draft, even in a one QB league where you start three wide receivers, still not taking Atwell because of, you know, the the, the, the non-production piece of his profile. However, if if his skill set does translate to the NFL, what we're going to have here is a deep threat speed demon, you know, who scores on splash plays. And from like a best ball perspective, that could be interesting, especially if you were to land with a really talented, you know, quarterback, you know, that that's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. I don't see him as an a, an offense elevator, but I do think that he you know, he could thrive in the right type of situation uh, in spots here or there. So that's me kind of summing it up. Um, I think I'm probably the second lowest of the group on him, Dave. But I think you've probably correctly just discounted him to where he's off of your board. You'll you'll never end up with a share uh, with as low as you've ranked him. Yeah, I definitely won't. And, you know, being on the, uh, like, 
I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily in disagreement with you guys because it's not like you have him so high. But I will say, like, being on the outside when you're uh, in a group of Curtis, Blair, and Sean is not a place that feels very comfortable to be. But if I didn't stick to my convictions, I would not be doing anybody any good uh, as we put this, this guide together. Let's move along, though. Two players that I really want to pick your brain on. We are going to do a price check drop here. Why do I always add in drop? I'm playing the price check drop. We're not doing a price check drop. We're not dropping anything. We're just playing the drop. I need I need to get past that. I digress, though. Um, in the startup that you and I are in, we reached a point in the draft where all of like the key quarterbacks had gone, and there were two quarterbacks that I think we both had our eye on. We were talking about a trade, one of them which likely would have involved Ryan Tannehill, I forego, I forewent my chance at making a move to try to get Tannehill. I believe you ended up getting him. I then got Kirk Cousins later on. So it seems like we kind of like at least one of these guys. Let's quickly talk about where the um, value is for these guys in their dynasty careers. They'll both be 33 when the season starts. Let's start with Tannehill. Yeah, so um, Tannehill, the reason he was appealing to me in this draft specifically is I had drafted A.J. Brown um, uh, early in the startup, and this is a best ball uh, dynasty league. And so I really yep. liked the idea of that stack there. It was a, it's an easy tiebreaker uh, in any best ball format to stack your quarterback uh, with one of uh, his pass catchers. And in dynasty, I liked the idea as well. You know, Tannehill's been just uber efficient uh, for the Titans ever since taking over. Um, with Corey Davis leaving, I mean, I know Corey Davis kind of broke out from a fantasy perspective, but I actually think they could replace him with, you know, additional talent, um, this year, you know, in the draft, uh, I, I like a lot of the mocks that I'm seeing have them taking more of a slot receiver, uh, with a, a totally different skill set than AJB and they can attack different areas of the field. Elijah Moore is a very popular, uh, projected pick to Tennessee right now. I think that would be a beautiful uh, mashup of skills with AJ Brown, but I wasn't thinking about that when I was on the clock. I was really just thinking about the spike games that Tannehill can provide in the best ball format and that stack with AJB. Um, really like Kirk Cousins. Um, he's the picture of stability and consistency uh, in this type of format. You can pencil him in for twenty-five passing touchdowns every single year. He can run enough that you know he can he can find twenty or thirty yards in a game once in a while. Um, and, and I like, uh, the fact that Irv Smith, uh, should get more looks in the passing game this year with, uh, Kyle Rudolph exiting town. So that, that combination of Jefferson, Irv Smith, Jr., Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, I mean, it's an exciting offense. It's not one we see a lot because, you know, the Vikings aren't thought of as a, a, a glamorous team. Um, but I think there's some real fantasy upside there. And of course, Kirk Cousins benefits in a lot of ways, anytime a touchdown scored. So that's what I was really thinking about. Had Cousins fallen another round, I would have considered uh, nabbing him up or really even if he'd fallen six more spots past your spot, Dave, probably would have been trying to to trade up and make him my QB3. So I thought that was a, a savvy pick by you there uh, a few slots later. Yeah, so to give some light about why I like both of these players, and, and you kind of hit upon it to some degree, uh, is that I would say at this point in their career, they might be more stable options than people realize. And I expect that they can continue to produce at somewhere around QB1 type of numbers. So one of the things that I think people need to be excited about with Tannehill 
is in Tennessee, he's definitely showed some of that athletic rushing ability. I mean, last year rushed for seven touchdowns. Think about that. Seven touchdowns on a team that has Derrick Henry, had four rushing touchdowns the season before. Uh, you know, going for more than four yards per carry across his whole career has had seasons where he's closer to six. And as a passer last year, actually ranked seventh in passing touchdowns. As you mentioned, um, you know, Corey Davis is gone. I, I, John o. Smith, yes, he's gone. But I don't think that's going to have a huge impact on the number of touchdowns he can throw. Um, still ranked 11th in PPR per game, was 5th in QBR. These are some pretty solid numbers. Tennessee looks like a team that will be able to operate similarly as to how it has the last two seasons. So, you know, that's actually a pretty compelling picture there for a guy like Tannehill. As I said, only 33. I can see this carrying through for at least another two to three years. Then on the Kirk Cousins size, Kirk Cousins side, I feel like for whatever reason, people want to view Cousins as uh, just like a boring player that is overrated, perhaps because he got this contract that may be an NFL um, circles he doesn't live up to. But I think for fantasy, he's perfectly okay. Um, last year ranked sixth in passing touchdowns, 10 in QBR, 13 in PPR per game was eight in passing yards was only 14th in attempts was pretty efficient. 11th in fantasy points over expectation per game. Another year with Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith getting more involved. They're a team that I think will compete. So for me, uh, there's a lot of compelling reason to still feel good about Kirk Cousins as we look forward, and then the other thing that I like about these two is I don't see them at that precipice where they could fall off, like a guy like Matt Ryan who could start to slow down even more. Yet they're not being um, you know, valued at a spot in drafts really in any type of league where you really have to go out of your way to get them. So I think that you know, in summary, these are two guys who the stats they're putting up are better than I feel like people realize and maybe they should be a little bit more excited about them even though they're two players that don't look super exciting yeah I, th- I think that's a fantastic uh, way to look at it I think they're both among the best values in super flex dynasty startups right now um, and I'm sure that that will carry over to to redraft ADP particularly once the rookie quarterbacks uh, we know the landing spots and people start to get excited about overdrafting the Trevor Lawrence's and the uh, Justin Fields of the world driving down some of these kind of quote unquote boring uh, veterans. These these are league uh, league winning quarterbacks. If you want to wait a little bit on the position, we know a lot of our uh, research over the years has has suggested to to potentially uh, you know benefit from snagging three quarterbacks kind of in those those target rounds. You know seven or eight through twelve thirteen, um, condensing the area in which we're looking for those quarterbacks. Um, not going too early but also striking often once we get into that target range. I think these guys both fit that description, Dave. Yeah, so this actually wasn't on the uh, the show sheet here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it your way. When we're thinking about a player like Matthew Stafford, who's now stepped into this situation in Los Angeles, plethora of wide receivers, some playmakers there, at this point, are we valuing Tannehill and Cousins ahead of, of a player like Matthew Stafford, or are they in the same tier? Just to give a little bit more context of where we might be on these guys. Yeah, I like I like Tannehill a little bit better because I think of the three, uh, he's the best bet to continue his rushing um, each year. I think he bolsters his floor there just a little bit. 
Um, I think we have to we have to keep a, an eye out on Stafford, though. I mean, Goff had uh, either five thousand yards or very close to it uh, just a couple of seasons ago. And if we think that Stafford is materially better than Jared Goff, he's going to be working in in the same system uh, for the best OC he's ever had in his career uh, with some of the best weapons he's ever had in his career. So, I mean, I think he could really put up some uh, pretty impressive passing numbers, but Stafford's never really been one to add that floor uh, from rushing. Cousins even has that on him. Plus, you know, Stafford is switching teams. You know, you have to discount that, I think, somewhat. We, we think it could be an improvement, but at the same time, moving out to the West Coast, new system, um, did, hasn't looked awesome the last couple times we've seen him in Detroit. Also has had some health issues over the years. So, I mean, I, I would still rank him behind these three guys, but it also, you know, wouldn't really surprise me if he put up kind of peak Jared Goff numbers in the system. Yeah, and to put a little bit of perspective on things, last year, Jared Goff had five weeks where he finished as a QB1. Um, in terms of passing yards, last year, um, only got to about 4,015 games, but the seasons prior was at that, you know, closer to 4,700, uh, had 32 passing touchdowns in 2018, which I think speaks to some of the potential for Stafford. But ultimately, what I wanted to kind of getting people's heads there was, and I'm not exactly sure our listeners how jazzed up on Matthew Stafford they're going to be, but just to show that, you know, Tannehill and Cousins can group themselves in with some players that might feel like they have a little bit more upside or feel like they have a little bit more potential. So I don't want people overlooking them, especially in a super flex startup or even a super flex best ball league. Because for me, they're type of guys that if I get as my QB one in my configuration, I'm feeling like I have a pretty good start to the quarterback position. Um, but that hit on everything I wanted to talk about this, uh, this episode, Curtis, unless there's anything you want to interject uh, to close us off, I think we can shut things down. No, I, I say shut it down, man. Um, we've got a couple more episodes in the hopper uh, to get out for our, our Wednesday and our Friday crowd. Uh, we are loving dropping the three shows per week. Uh, we know you are too. We got a lot of great listener questions. So you're going to hear about that uh, in one of our upcoming episodes this week. Um, if you this is your first time listening, I would say we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts. Um, this is kind of a reboot of the show. So let us know what you think. Uh, are you liking the mini segments? Are you liking the chemistry? Do you want to hear more about uh, cold Coke, coffee, and milk? Um, what, what are you liking? What would you like to hear more of? Uh, we are all about that feedback. I can tell you one thing. There's going to certainly be some people out there like, I don't need to hear about coffee with Coke. I don't need to hear about vitamin water. I'm not tuning in to get entertained. And to those people... I would say that some of the the ridiculous things that Freeman and I used to talk about, I, we actually got a lot of interaction on that people seem to like. So, you know, if you got a problem with me talking about Coca-Cola and coffee, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, uh, that's just, you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about talking about. If I'm passionate about Coke and coffee and it has me all riled up like this, damn it, I'm going to talk about it. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.